Good morning, everyone. My name is Luke, and I'm one of the pastors here as well, and just gra- glad, grad, glad that you're here. Um, I have shared a couple of times about how one of the things that I'm really excited about being able to start doing soon is traveling. I love traveling, and I love mission trips. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have gone on mission trips yourself, either short-term or long-term? Done some mission mission work? It's, it's, it just really is a great opportunity, and so we're going to uh, Doug and I are actually going to be exploring a, a trip to Mexico soon, um, so we're going to be hopefully going on a trip down there. Um, and so mission trips are great. They're always uh, an interesting experience because you get to learn a lot about different cultures and communities, and you get to see God just do some crazy cool things. Uh, and a number of years ago, I went to the country of Nepal. Many of you have heard me talk about Nepal. Nepal was one of my favorite trips out of everywhere I've gone. Nepal actually situ- situates itself right in the middle of China and India. And I always describe the culture as being this beautiful blend of both of those worlds. And so the food was off the chain. If you like Indian food, it has got that. If you like Chinese food, it's got that. And it's got all these dishes that are just a combination. Anybody like that type of food? Yeah, and I went with a bunch of people from Alabama when I went there the first time who did not like spicy food, which meant that I got all of their spicy food, and it was awesome. Uh, most of the time I go on mission trips and I lose 20 pounds. Not on that trip. Not on that trip. But I loved being there, and one of the things that I, I experienced when I was there that I thought was really fascinating was we were, uh, we, it was a group of my, it was myself and about seven to eight other people, uh, and we went there to start a Bible university and we were teaching courses the whole time for about 600 different pastors. And what the history of Nepal is really fascinating. So prior to us being there, it had, it had been a Hindu monarchy for about 500 years. Um, it was really difficult to be Christians, to go as missions, missionaries. You couldn't do that. So when it opened up and became a democratic country, hundreds upon hundreds of missionaries were just flooding that country. And I remember we were on the airplane, the 727, and, and I was sitting there with my, my friend who was a, a theologian, and we were both just kind of talking, and we heard everybody behind us and everybody in front of us talking about missions work. And I was like, huh. So I was like, hey, what are you guys doing? And they're like, well, we're with YWAM. Cool. What about you? And it was all these, the whole plane, it was like 70% of this plane were all missionaries going in to share the love of Jesus with the people that live there. So great. So we're like a week into the trip, and we're teaching courses. So every day, we'd get to this church building at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then we would just do, like, lectures, and they're just taking notes. And one afternoon, um, before the next session started, we'd start with music, and we're just sitting there worshiping, singing songs um, in different, you know, languages, and it's really great. And uh, I remember this moment where it was really quiet, the, the music had come down, and we were just kind of waiting, and all of a sudden, in the back of the church, there's big doors. This church building had these huge doors, and they opened up. It was really obvious. We all looked behind, and there was this family, and they just came to the door, and they were standing there, and they walked up the aisle, and everybody's just staring like, don't you know we're in church right now? What are you doing? You know, breaking in here. And they walked up, and they walked right up to the front, and they started talking to the person in the front, and... Um, Basically, we're talking to them, and then uh, they looked at us, and it was me and, you know, the eight Americans were just standing there, and they were like, why are they looking at us? What's going on here? And uh, the, the pastor came over, and he's like, hey, so this, this family traveled three days to get here because they heard there were going to be some men and women of God here, and they've come to get healed. And then I'm like, what? What? <laughs> 
Like, what, what do you mean? And they're like, no, they heard that people who, who are going to be here will pray for them and they'll get healed. And then, I mean, I don't know about you in that situation, but it's like a massive amount of pressure. We're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, I'm like, you know, like, what am I, do I have medicine, you know? And uh, so the pastor was like, so it, after we get done with this, we're going to pray for them. And so we're like, all right, we'll, we'll do that because I, I do believe that God heals. Um, but I don't have it like on demand. <laughs> so anyway, so we get done in the, in the service and everybody stands up and they leave and this family comes over. And so it's myself and I don't know, eight of us. And so it's, it's this husband and wife and there's no translator. So it's just these two Nepali people and a couple of their kids uh, and then us. And we can't communicate. We just know that we're supposed to pray for healing. So we, you know, are, are getting ready to pray and just waiting on the Lord. We're listening, trying to hear what God would say. And I have this thing popped into my mind where I felt like the Lord um, popped into my mind this scripture saw, uh, in Philippians chapter, um, chapter uh, 3 where, uh, where Paul talks about having the mind of Christ. And I'm like, oh, or I'm sorry, chapter 2 of having the mind of Christ. And I'm like, that, just, that, that scripture kept going on and on and on in my head. And so I'm like, I tell, I tell her, I say, hey, I think we're supposed to pray for, for this lady's mind. We're supposed to pray for her mind. And they're like, okay. I said, I don't, you know, so we, we just go, hey, um, Jesus, would you right now heal her mind? We pray for the Holy Spirit to come and heal her mind. And this lady, as soon as we said those words, just falls to the ground like she was dead. No joke. And I was like, I think I might have killed her. I was like, this is like the opposite direction of the sin. She's like out, and we're and we don't know what to do. And I and I remember like I I've been around Holy Spirit stuff. Like I kind of knew that this stuff happens, but I had never had to happen when I prayed for somebody. So I was just like, I was like, oh my gosh, you know. And and we're just standing there, and there's a lady just laying there, just laying. And we're like, well, what do we do? Because I was like, I want to go eat. And the the guy who ran this ministry, his name is Ram, he comes in and he's like, walks up to us and he's like, so how's it going? And we're like, uh, yeah. and he's like, well, she has a brain tumor. And then we're like, oh, she's got a brain tumor. And so that's why she came. She wanted to, to get pray, prayed for. And so I'm, I was like, well, that's crazy. Cause I really felt like we were supposed to pray for her mind. And he's like, yeah, well, that, that's, that's why. And I was like, he, he, like, he was like, it was so normal for him. I was like, yeah, of course it's normal for us too. Yeah. It happens all the time. Um, so there, she's laying there and I, I just remember, I was like, so what do we, what do we do now? And he, no joke, he like leans down and she's just like, and he, he picks her hand up and feels her pulse. And he's like, she's okay, let's go. And then we went to lunch. And it was like the weirdest thing. And I was just like, okay. So three days later, we haven't seen them, haven't heard anything, nothing. Three days later, they come back. And they come in front of the whole entire congregation of people. And through a translator, they share the story about how they had been, they'd heard in the village they were, they, they were in, they had heard from a person that the pastor in that village was going to Kathmandu to get trained by some people about Jesus and that Jesus would be able to heal them. And they came there, got prayed for, and then they shared how they had gone to the doctor and the doctor had verified that the tumor in their brain was gone. And they were not Christians. They were, they were Hindus, and so they were like, so we would like to become Christians today. And I was like, I mean, it was the most amazing thing, right? And I was like, that's awesome. That's awesome. 
So I've seen um, some pretty crazy, miraculous healing things happen in my life. I mean, I've also seen times where, you know, you don't see healing, but I remember that being a really formative experience because it was one of those moments where it's like everything that we say we believe and we say that we, we want to see happen when it happens, it's pretty amazing. And I remember the whole place in the, at that time, there was like 900 people in this big, big building. And as soon as they shared their story, the whole place went like crazy, right? Everybody was worshiping and praising God, and they were so thankful in this family. Their whole entire family became followers of Jesus. And just a few years ago, I checked up, and they're still following Jesus. They're still living for Jesus. And that is, I think, essentially a, a picture of what God's, God's plan and his purpose is for followers of Jesus to participate in. And so I want to read a passage of scripture really quick, okay? This is from the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 4, and so just to bring us up to speed, Luke chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, it's the very beginning of Jesus' life. It's, it covers his birth, it's his early years, it's, it's where Jesus, this is where Jesus launches his ministry, okay? So he's about to go and start doing some miraculous, crazy, cool things in the rest of the gospel. So we're going to look at chapter 4, and we're going to read what Jesus says launches his mission, okay? This is what he says. Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's quoting from Isaiah, by the way. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I love this passage of Scripture because what it does is it helps us understand God's mission. What was Jesus about? He is about this. This is what Jesus is about. Amen? Are you with me? So here's a question for us. When we talk about what our ministry should be, would you agree, by a show of hands, that our ministry is to continue the ministry of Jesus? How many of you would agree with that? Like the same things that Jesus was about, we're supposed to be about, right? And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk a little bit about continuing the ministry of Jesus. Now, we're in a sermon series right now, and we're calling it Ancient Ferment, and what we're talking about is how there are certain values, certain dispositions, certain things that the early church, right after Jesus died, the early church was committed to, and they were committed to for the first 400 years of church history, and these values, these dispositions, these habits, these things that, that the early followers of Jesus lived by, lived for, lived toward, actually shaped the course of history, and it's why the church continued to grow really quickly. So we talked about love. We talked about the church was known for its love, and because the church was known for its love, people were impacted by that. We also talked about last week about how patience, being a follower of Jesus, if you're more patient, you'll make an impact in the world. And I had numerous people this week tell me that I'm not ever allowed to talk about patience again because they had a lot of situations come up that require patience. And I said, God bless you. God bless you. So today, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about healing and I want to talk about healing in the sense of, of what the church's purpose is and how we can participate in seeing people experience healing together. I think healing, when we talk about healing, oftentimes in certain wings of the church, we think of healing only in the sense of people being healed from sickness. But I think our approach here in the vineyard is to think about healing holistically, meaning that I do believe with all of my heart, I think that Jesus is concerned with physical healing, 
So whatever sicknesses you have right now, whether it's chronic illnesses or if you have the flu or if you got the Rona, if you got those things, I think Jesus cares about that. And I think he wants to heal those things. I also think that Jesus cares about emotional emotional healing. So people who have gone through trauma and grief, I think Jesus wants to heal that. I think he wants to heal mental illnesses. I just think that, that we have to think about healing in, the, in a holistic manner, okay? And so like right now, whatever issues you have, whatever things that you need a touch from God, God from, I think that God's concerned about that. And that's something that we should be concerned about as followers of Jesus as well. And so healing needs to be focused on being holistic. But here's the, the thing. There are certain churches out there, and they're losing their influence, thank God. But there's some churches out there that actually teach that God is no longer doing miraculous things. They actually teach, and they, they hold a view called cessationism, where they say, listen, all of that supernatural miracle stuff that happened in the Bible doesn't happen today. It stopped at the end of the first century. As soon as the Bible was created, we no longer needed miracles. And I just got to tell you, A, it's not biblical. There are no biblical texts at all that support that view. But it's also not supported by a reading of history. When you study history, you'll see that healing has been documented over the course of 2,000 years. And there's numerous historical books now where you can see how the early church was constantly praying for people to be healed from physical sicknesses and also to be um, free and, and, and to no longer be under the oppression of demonic forces. It's constantly happening. In fact, listen to this. This is one historian. This is what he says. This is interesting. He says, after reading all the patristic scholar, uh, scholarship, meaning like all the first 300 years of church history, he says the early church's aim was to restore wholeness to people who had been torn apart. Can I get an amen to that? Like that seems really good. And then he says it was to integrate them inwardly and socially so that henceforth they would be able to live in freedom. Can I get an amen to that? Then he goes on to say, that, that was great. You're like, Amen. He says, healing was a normal part of the church's life. It was a normal part of the church's life. And the gifts of the healers were revealed by the facts, by the people in their midst who had been sick and now were well. In other words, in the third and fourth century, every single church had people who could stand up on a Sunday morning and say, listen, I can testify that I was broken, I was in need of a touch from God, and I experienced it in these gatherings, and I can tell you right now that God wants to heal each and one of you too. And so we see this throughout history too. And so what has happened? What has happened in the course of of time that has got us to the point where society-wise and culturally it feels like we're a little less than willing to pray for people's healing. Like, and I know there's a lot of different reasons. Like, how many of you would just be honest right now and say, I'm a little scared of doing that? Like, just, just doing it sounds kind of crazy. Anybody willing to admit that? Or is it just me? Okay, so there's three of us here, okay? The rest of you are liars, Right? I mean, but it is. It's like I've had people who are like, and I'm a pastor. I have two master's degrees in theology. I said, know some things. And people are like, hey, would you pray for me to be healed? And I'm like, uh, 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 let me, I don't know. Maybe feel a little awkward. You know, it's like there's certain things that pop up that may keep us from being willing. So I think that there's, there's our own personal issues. But we also have to realize that culturally, 
there's a lie being sold that there's no such thing as supernatural things happening. But I bet you if we went around this room and we asked how many of you have had unexplainable spiritual things happen that you don't know what was going on, you can't exactly explain it, how many of you would agree that that's happened to you? Like, you just have had some weird things, right? Like, I don't know how to explain this. So we live in a world where there are supernatural things happening happening all around us, which fits in with the biblical worldview, because we see in Scripture, we're supposed to expect that God is at work. And let me tell you right now, I'm here to tell you good news, Jesus is still in the business of bringing healing to people, amen? He still is. There's people in this room right now, in this room right now, who have experienced healing, and you can tell you, yes, I was broken, I was depressed, I had anxiety, I had sicknesses, I had whatever it is, and they can say, Jesus brought healing to my life. And that's the same stuff that we want to see right now, amen? So here's what I want to share with you. I'll share you a couple stories really quickly, and then I want to talk about five easy ways to get into the game of praying for people to heal, get healed, okay? Uh, first thing, I want to tell you, okay, so uh, I, was, I was asked to pray one time for this ministry. They're like, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be giving away groceries to people, and, and what you're going to do is you're going to help carry the groceries out to their car because we're doing this food giveaway, and all you got to do is ask them if they want prayer. And I was like, all right, I, th- I think I can do that. I think I can do that. So I'm pushing the cart out, and, I, and I, it's like, I don't know about you, but when you're in this situation, it's like you're pushing in your mind. You're like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Ah, I'm not really feeling like I can do this right now. Oh, my gosh, I got a stomachache. You know, you're getting closer and closer, and all of a sudden the anxiety starts, like, building and building. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be really, really hard. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right, and so I'm in that moment, and so I, I pick up the groceries, and I put the box in the back of the truck, and this lady's got her arm in a sling, so I'm like, oh so much pressure. And so I say, say, hey, uh, is there anything I pray for you for? And she's like, no, no, no. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and I'm just about to get my cart and push it away. And she's like, well, actually, I, I have my arm in a, in, it's in a sling. And she's like, it's just throbbing with pain. She's like, can you pray for that? And I was like, yeah, yes, I can pray for that. And so I, I said, hey, can I, uh, can I just lay my hands on your other shoulder and just pray for you? Jesus laid hands on people. The early church laid hands on people. I'd love to do that. And she said, yeah, absolutely. So I laid hands on it, on her, not it, <laughs> her. And I, and I was like, I, was, I, I broke the rule. I closed my eyes and I was like, Holy Spirit, would you come right now? And would you bring healing? And I said those words. And then I was getting ready to explain to her how God doesn't always heal. And that we live in a now and not yet kingdom, and sometimes he does, but sometimes he doesn't. And I was getting ready to give her all of the theology behind why something miraculous couldn't happen. And I'm, I mean, I'm like opening my eyes to launch into it, and she's doing this with her arm. And she takes off her sling, and she's like, my shoulder's healed. She's like, it's healed. And I was like, it is? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, are you, are you kidding? And, and I'm like, yeah, and we're like high-fiving. And then all of a sudden, she starts crying and she's like, why did this happen? And so I was like, hey, listen, I think this is just God wanting you to know how much he loves you. And she starts crying some more, and she's like, oh, my gosh, I grew up in the Catholic church, and I, I know God, and I, I, I just have been so distant for so long. And I said, hey, listen, 
I, I, I think God just wants you to know right now he loves you and he wants you to, to, to know that. And so she, she's like, oh my gosh, I'm getting back plugged in to church. And she's like, you know, just sky, sky high. And so I saw her every month for about five years. And every single time I'd see her when she'd come into this food giveaway, this program we had, she would, um, she would be like, oh, I'm still here. You know, she would still remember that. She was deeply impacted by that. So I, I just remember I, I went at that night, at our whole ministry team got together and we were like reconvening about how everything had worked out. And I was like, I was like, this lady, I prayed for her and she actually got healed. And everybody was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, yeah, it like, actually works. It works. And I'd been pastoring for like 10 years at the time. I was like, no, for real, it works sometimes. And another story. So that was a physical healing. This other time, we were having this big youth event and, uh, and I was in the kitchen, because that's generally where I'm at, and I was eating, like, the snacks and stuff and hanging out, and, and this lady walks in, one of our youth leaders, and she's like, hey, Pastor Luke, we need you right now. There's a young girl. She needs to have somebody who can talk to her, and I was like, okay, cool. Can you do it, though? And she's like, no, nah, I just need you. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I walk in there, and there's this, this uh, lady who, if I, just being honest, Myra talked about come as you are. Amen? Do we all agree with that? Well, let's be honest. We judge people by the way they look, right? I mean, I don't, but you do. And, but anyway, so I saw it, and she's like all gothed out. Is goth the thing still? It's like, it's, you know, dark, she had dark fingernails, and like, I think she had like a collar with like spikes on it, and I was like, don't get too close. And, uh, and she's just, she's chilling right there, and there's all these people around her, like, everybody's just around her, and she's just kind of crying a little bit, and so I walk in, I'm like, okay, it's like, what's going on, and she just starts sharing about how she has basically been um, emotionally abused her whole entire life, and, and her parents treated her terrible, and had left her, abandoned her, and she lived with their grandma, and so just to put this in perspective, my, Don and I, at one time, were looking at buying this house, and so we went and looked at it, and it was a very cheap house. It was a huge house, cheap house. And we're like, oh, this house is great. We're looking at all the rooms. We go in this one room, and it was painted completely black. And there were pentagrams and, like, devil worship stuff all over the walls. And we're like, yeah, we're not going to buy this one. We're good. And uh, we found out this is that girl's room, okay? Are you with me? So she's, like, not, like, church person, right? So she's sitting there, and she's crying, and she's sharing a little bit. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And, and you know, like, okay, and listening, and, and then it's like all of a sudden, um, I, all I can say is like the Holy Spirit just shows up and hones in on what's about to happen, and so I remember like I felt like the Lord just said, hey, she does not know how much I love her, and so I just said, I said, hey, I don't know if you have ever heard about, about uh, Jesus, but Jesus, and I just told her the whole story, Jesus had died on a cross for her and wanted to have a relationship with her, and that that, that he wanted to free her and heal her from the shame and the, the um, feelings of abandonment. And as I'm saying these words, she just starts weeping and sobbing. And, you know, and we're all watching this whole entire thing happen, all of all these friends of hers. And so she decides right there and then that she wants to become a follower of Jesus. And, and like later on as we're processing, she's like, all I can tell you is that it was like my heart had been, been stabbed all my life. And when you started talking about the love of God, it was like the, the, the heart was just completely healed, completely healed. 
And so that's an example of emotional healing. Like I think, just are you with me? I think that Jesus actually wants to heal every amount of brokenness or hurt or pain or, or sickness that any of us have, and he especially wants that for the world around us. Okay, I just, I operate with that assumption, okay? Now, here's the thing, though, and this is, the th- this is why theology matters. We also need to understand the nature of the kingdom of God, because if we're honest, we have prayed for people, and we've not always seen everybody healed. So what do we do with that? And there's a lot of different play- people that will tell you different answers. Well, so one potential thing is, well, you know, you don't have enough faith. Or other people will say, well, you, you must have sickness or a sin in your life, and that's why you're... Listen, all I can tell you is this. I think the Bible teaches us we should keep on praying for people. That's it. We just keep on praying. We don't, we're not God. We don't make things happen. Sometimes we need, to do have, we need to have more faith. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes there may be sin involved that's actually preventing people from experiencing healing. Other times there might be spiritual warfare going on and we need to pray that Jesus would free people from demonic oppression. All of those things could be, could be true. But guess what? You're not God. I'm not God. We don't know. So what do we do? We keep on praying, right? We keep on praying. And we operate on the assumption though that, that the kingdom of God can break into our world. That's, that just needs to be our method of operation. Are you with me right now? Yeah? Okay. So I think we need to, to operate in this idea of continuing the ministry of Jesus. So here's what I want to do for just the duration of our time, for just a few minutes here. Um, how many of you have watched Trinity Broadcasting Television, TBN? Anybody ever watch TV? Anybody ever watch preachers on TV and you're like, dang, that is a shiny suit? Anybody ever do that? Like I, like I turn it on and I'm like, man, that, sh- that suit is like, 20 grand, and they got the shiny big old watch. You know what I'm talking about? It's like shaky too. It always shakes. You ever notice this? Or are these just things I know? Like they got the gold watch, and it's like they're shaking it a lot, and it's like shiny. And then when they get into like doing the miracle things, they turn into crazy people. Are you with? I'm just asking. Okay. Like I've just, I've watched a lot of it because I'm fascinated by it. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like watching something you shouldn't watch, but I can't stop watching it because they all have Southern accents too. Right? And I know, I know I can't, I shouldn't do it. All my friends who are from the South are like, you need to stop doing that Southern accent. I'm like, I can't. Okay? I have to break it out. Okay? So anyway, I'm like watching these people, and they're doing the healing stuff, and it's like they all of a sudden are like talking crazy, and they're dancing around on the stage and, and doing crazy stuff. And, and uh, I'm like, man, I don't know about you, but like, hey, that's cool if it works for you, but I'm probably not going to do that. Like, I just, it's not, it's not something I can see us doing. How many of you turn crazy when you want to pray for somebody? It just feels, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't seem accessible. Like, it's cool that somebody on TV can be like, oh, glory to God, and then slap you on the face and you get healed. I'm like, that's cool. I wouldn't mind slapping people on the face. That part sounds cool. But, but like, seeing people, it just doesn't feel like it's something I can do. And behind that is, is this, I, I just don't think that most people can do that. But behind what I'm getting at is that, is that for many people who do like the miraculous stuff, they act so weird that the common person's like, I'm not going to be able to do that, right? And so long, like, you know, 40 years ago, 
the, the, one of the founders of the Vineyard Movement, the denomination that we're a part of, his name is John Wimber, and what he saw is he saw, he came to believe that God did miraculous things. He saw it happening, but he also saw that most of the people that did that stuff were so weird, the rest of us were like, no thank you. I can't do that. Like, I'm not going to be at the gas station pumping gas and some person walk next to me who clearly needs to be prayed for and, and all of a sudden turn into a southern preacher. You know, like, hey, I was just pumping this gas and I felt like the low glory and then slap him on the face. Like, we're just not going to do that. <laughs> no, I mean, we could try, right? <laughs> like, we're just not going to do that. So John, John Wimber, what his thing was is he was like, all right, so... I want to develop a way for normal, everyday followers of Jesus to be able to get in the game of praying for the sick. I want to, I want to, I want to help develop a, a model. Is, is this not working? Is that what's going on? Let's see. So I want to, I want to just do, this is the five-step prayer model. This is, this is, when you think about the vineyard, just for those of you who are new to the vineyard, I just want to say this. Back in the day, there were basically two types of churches in, like in Protestant America. There were Pentecostal churches, and there were evangelical conservative churches. The vineyard came out of this desire to take the best of both of those worlds and to leave behind the craziness and to be the radical middle. That's kind of how we, that's a really simplistic way of getting there. But it's like we want to be charismatic and embrace the work of the Holy Spirit, but we also want to do it in a biblical way that's also practical, like we can all get involved in the game. So that's what this five-step prayer model is. I just want to share this with you uh, today. Okay, so five-step prayer model. In other words, if you have uh, your phone, take notes. I, I honestly think this is how you can get, and actually, let's do this. I, I, I feel like this is it for a minute. If you want to grow in your ability or your willingness to pray for people who are sick or emotionally um, traumatized or whatever it is, if, that's, if you're like, I would like to grow in that, would you stand up right now? And don't feel pressure to stand if you're like, you guys are crazy. That's cool. You can just watch us for a minute. Totally okay. Okay, so if you're, I'm going to pray for you right now, okay? Because here's what I want to encourage you to think about right now. Is if you want to get in the game, if you want to start seeing these things happen, you have to be willing to take the risk to pray for people. You have to take the risk. And that's the scary part. Like, I'm with you. I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, I start sweating. My hands get all sweaty. Oh, Okay, so Father, right now, I pray for every single person right now standing, and I invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill every single one of these people to be willing to take risks, to trust you, and to be, be willing to ask for your kingdom to come, for your Holy Spirit to come, and to bring healing into people's lives, not for our glory, and not to big, build up our egos, but to bring glory to Jesus, and to be able to bring well-being to human beings. I pray this in Jesus' name. You can be seated. Okay, so here's the deal. I want to encourage you, take notes, take pictures of the screen if you need to, whatever. Here's the five-step prayer model. We're going to go kind of quick here. But the first one is this, the interview, okay? This is the part where you walk up to somebody and say, hi, my name is Luke. Can I pray for you? What's going on? What, 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 what would you like prayer for? You know, um, it's the part where you're, you're wanting to, and sometimes you see things on the natural level, like if someone's, I'm just example, someone's coughing a lot, you know, back in the day before the world we live in right now. Like now it happens, we're like, I'm out. We're like, like, but, but like if you see something in the natural realm, you just say, hey, look, something's going on. What's going on? Or, I mean, if somebody is having an emotional um, 
you know, outburst of some sort, you know, maybe that's where you're like, hey, what's going on? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You have friends that are like having a bad day, like what's going on, right? Okay, so that's the natural level, but also I think you want to be trying to pay attention to the supernatural side of things where you're listening with your, like Francis McNutt, who was a, a, a Catholic charismatic priest, really influential in our movement. Um, he used to always say that you want to listen to, one, one ear you're listening to the person you're, you're talking to, like, hey, what's going on? And with your, with your other ear, you're listening to what the Holy Spirit might be saying. Okay, and so that's the the interview, and this is where you're introducing yourself. You're uh, you're trying to basically get to the point where you can start praying for people. Okay, now step two is the diagnosis. So that's the question of why do why are why is a person um, experiencing the condition they have? Like um, I, just to give you an example, and there's a lot of different natural things. Maybe there's colds, there's, um, you know, somebody might have had an accident and they, they broke a, a, a part of their body and so that's why they have that. Um, there's emotional hurts that might be there where they can talk about, hey, my parents abandoned me as a, at a young age and so that's why I, I struggle with these feelings. Um, there's a lot of different reasons, but in the diagnosis stage of the five-step prayer model, you're basically trying to discern what is going on and here's what I mean by that. I've had this happen where a lot of times where people will come and, and say, hey, I would like prayer for something. Okay, I'd like to pray for you. What, what's going on? I have an overwhelming amount of pain in my shoulders and my back. And so uh, I've been to a chiropractor, but I am not a chiropractor. And so I'm just listening. And I, I don't, I'm like, okay, I don't even know the L5s and L3s. And I'm like, I don't know nothing about that. But I do know we can pray for healing. And so as I'm listening, I have had the Lord many times just in my heart or in my mind, just I, I have the sense that, that there's something this person is, is a, a weight they're carrying. So it's a, an emotional weight, but it's manifesting itself in a physical way in, the, in their back. And so where I'll say, I'll, you know, if this is, again, this is just a discernment thing. It's not everybody. Just because you have back pain doesn't mean that you have emotional um, weight in, in, you're carrying. But in certain cases where I'm like, okay, listen, I just, I felt like the Lord just revealed right now that, that you've got a lot of emotion right now that you're just holding on to. And 99.9% .9 of the time, as soon as you say those words, guess what starts happening? They start crying or they start, they're like, that's exactly right. And so then you know what, what stuff you're going to be praying for there. Does that make sense to everybody? Right, so you have step one, the interview, step two, the diagnosis. We are not doctors. We are simply trying to, to hear what they're saying, and we're listening with our, our ears to hear if there's something else going on. And I think it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask as many questions as you can, and you keep listening for God's direction. Step three is the prayer selection. What kind of prayer are we going to pray? So most of the time, when I pray, I have one prayer. And it's this, oh God, 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 please, 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 help, 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 help. You know, it's like, come, 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 Holy Spirit. You know, I don't, I don't have like all these crazy prayers. Are you with me? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like when you have to pray for something and you do not know what to pray for, what's your common prayer? Like everybody has their common go-to prayer, right? But at other times, you might, you might be just petitioning God, like, God, would you please bring healing in this situation? Other times, I think it's entirely possible where you may have the Holy Spirit revealed to you that there is some type of spiritual oppression, meaning there are, are demonic forces that are trying to keep this person stuck where they're at. 
And so you might actually go into claiming authority over, over that person because in Jesus' name, how many of you realize that demonic forces have got to bow to the authority of Jesus? They have to. So you might, you might break that out. So that's the, the prayer selection uh, component. And, and so we, you know, we might pronounce things. We might rebuke spirits. We might ask God for healing. We might just pray for the Holy Spirit to come. And there's a lot of different prayers that we have. Step number four, prayer engagement. And this is when you get to praying. Okay, you get to praying. Get to actually asking God to do, to do things. And um, let me, I just want to share something really quick. So, like, Sometimes I've prayed for people and like nothing happens. I'm like, or maybe that happens a lot. Anybody have that happen? Like just kind of waiting. It's totally okay to be like, hey, what's going on? Anything going on? And sometimes they'll start to give you, they'll be like, yeah, I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like God's just giving me a little hope right now. So what do you do in that situation? Keep praying, right? It's not like, well, you got a little hope. Have a nice life. Like you just keep praying. You can keep praying and keep on asking for God's kingdom to come. There's a, there's a time in the Gospel of Mark just to prove that healing is not, because some people will say, well, healing should be automatic 100%. It's not true. Jesus himself, in, in Mark chapter 8, this is what happened. This man looks around at Jesus, um, and he's, he's, he can't see, and Jesus, it, this is what happened. It says, the man looked around, um, and uh, Jesus says, can you see anything? The man, like, looks, and he's, he says, yes, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. So, he, so in other words, Jesus has already laid hands on this person, and then he asks him, can you, can you see anything? And he's like, uh, I, I don't know, it's kind of blurry. Okay, look what it says. Then, spitting on the man's eyes, which, by the way, probably not a great idea unless you're Jesus, right? I'm like, I don't know why that's there, that's weird. That just accounts for the weird stuff. God works in weird ways sometimes. If anybody wants me to spit on your eyes after the service, I am willing. Just want to let you know. But he says, then spitting on the man's eyes, Jesus laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. Say it again. Again, he does it again. He, in other words, he, he, Jesus has to engage this person twice. And I've, I have wrestled with why, because Jesus is God. Jesus is operating in the full power of the Holy Spirit, can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, and yet he chooses not to immediately heal this person. And scholars are like, ah, well, here's why, and they have all these crazy, crazy ideas. I honestly think that part of this is just to get it in our minds that we are going to have to sometimes pray multiple times for people before they feel healed or experience healing. So that's kind of this stage, this, this step where we, we engage in prayer, and we might have to keep on praying. We might have to just keep on praying. We might, we might want to say, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? And they tell us, and then we keep on, on praying. And then number five is the post-prayer direction. This is like, well, what do you do now? This is where people get into trouble. So like, you know, we, we, let's just say, we just imagine in our minds, we have this amazing worship gathering. The music is so emotional. We all have let the tears out, we've experienced God's presence, and we're feeling it. You know what I'm talking about? We're feeling it. And then, you know, the southern preacher gets up and starts working his magic and says, hey, if you want to experience God's grace, why don't you come on up here? And, you know, you come forward. Not here, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, and you come forward, and then, and then someone starts praying for you, and they're like, you're healed in Jesus' name. And they slap you on the face. You're like, I must be healed. 
And then sometimes people will say, okay, you need to stop taking your medication. You've been healed. If you have faith, you'll stop taking your medication. You need to, in that situation, say no thank you and keep taking your medication until a doctor tells you to, take your, to stop taking your medication. That's the post-prayer stuff. So we do the same thing. Like when we're, when we're engaging with people, we need to tell people, listen, keep on praying, keep on reading your Bible, keep on engaging in the church community, and keep on taking your medication. This is one of the things really fascinating about the early church. In the first, second, third, fourth century, the Roman Empire had medicinal practices happening. And so the early church very consistently said, listen, we pray for healing, but we're going to keep on also taking our medication that we need. And so it's not, it's not you know, like a, 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 a test of faith to, to stop taking your medication per se, all right? Does that make sense? Like, don't give bad advice is my point. Like, our, our advice should be, hey, listen, we, we verify some things. You know, test it out. Let's see where you're at in two weeks. Let's, let's keep on praying. It's not a one-and-done type of thing, amen? Discipleship is not a one-and-done type of thing. Let's stand up together. So five-step prayer model. The whole point of this is for you to pull out your phone right now and to take a picture of that screen. I don't see any phones. You need, do you have it memorized? Okay, because again, if you stood up and you said, hey, I want to get in the game. Um, I'm not joking. This is, this is, okay. You're standing, don't sit down yet. This is, this is honest to God. I, I like have a little bookmark of this thing, Okay. And this is what I'll do. Like, sometimes I'll meet people, because and, and, here's the thing. A lot of times, if people find out I'm a pastor, their assumption is that I am more connected to God than the average person. Those of you who know that know it's the opposite. You're like, I know, Luke. <laughs> that is not true. Okay? But so what I'll do sometimes is I'll have my bookmark, and I will totally act dumb. Okay? Like, I've taught on the five-step prayer model probably hundreds of times, but I'll, I'll still be like, oh, hey, you need prayer? cool, hold on, let me, I, I actually have this, this little step and we can just go right through it because it helps them feel like, oh, okay, this is official business right here. And I'll, I'll say, okay, so what's going on? And I'll, I'll, I'll just go right down it. So like, it's totally okay to do that because here's what I found. If you're willing to pray for somebody, they feel cared for. And that's what Christianity should be known for, amen? We want people to know that we care enough about them that we want to pray for them so they can experience God's grace in that moment. Does that make sense? And so, like, I don't think you should feel bad about taking a screenshot and, and break it out because I do that all the time. I, I truly do. Okay? And so here's the deal. Uh, we're going we're gonna to pray this morning. We're going to receive communion, and we're going to also pray for healing. I have no idea how we're going to do that yet, but we're going to get there. So in 1 Corinthians, I, want, I just want to point this out. 1 Corinthians is a book that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in the city of Corinth, and they had... Some crazy charismatic stuff happening. They had mirac miraculous things happening, and they were, they were pretty proud of that. In fact, they were like, we want to let you know. We got it going on here, all right? And so what we have Paul doing is he's encouraging some things, but he also writes his letter to kind of spank them a little bit, like, hey, you guys need to chill out a little bit. But there's this really fascinating thing that I think about church. So what we do in our minds, I, I, I think this happens oftentimes, is we like put this, this stuff we're talking about right now, like praying for healing, praying for people, doing ministry, like wanting the kingdom to come. We have that in one category. 
And then we have the Lord's table in another category, like the sacraments over there, the charismatic stuff's over here, the music time's over here, the preaching's over here, offering time's way back there. But what we actually need to see is an integrated approach to our worship. And what I mean by that is this is what's fascinating. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul lays out a theology of the Eucharist, the communion, the Lord's Supper. He, He lays out, this is what I received from Jesus himself on the night he was betrayed. And then he goes in and he explains what communion's about. And then right after that in chapter 12, Paul teaches about the spiritual gifts. And the gift of healings is one of those gifts. And then he goes on to talk about the importance of love in chapter 13. So if we're going to do any of these things and it's not in love, it's a waste of time. And then in chapter 14, he goes more into depth about certain spiritual gifts. Here's my point. I I I never saw this, but the table, the Lord's table, when we receive communion because we're receiving the Lord's provision, the Lord's grace in that moment, that is a space where I think every single Sunday, if you're listening to what we're doing, you, you realize that we're holding up this bread in this cup and we are saying, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and help us engage in your death, in your your sacrificial meal. Help us to experience your grace. Help us to remember your grace. Help us to to know the value of this meal. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit's at work. Many of us would say, oh man, I really sense God's love that, that, that time. When we were receiving that bread and that cup, I experienced his grace. In the same way that the Holy Spirit's at work here, the Holy Spirit also wants to be at work here as we pray for each other for healing. And so, like, receiving the Lord's table is a, is, a, is a perfect opportunity for us to take a moment where the same Holy Spirit who's awakening our hearts to the cross also awakens our hearts and compassion for people around us who need to experience healing. Amen? And so this is what we're going to do right now. We're going, to, we're going to receive communion, and then we're going to take just a few moments here, and we're going to, we're going to pray for healing, okay? But before we do that, I want to read from, from 1 Corinthians, just like I said. And we're going to receive communion. And again, this is a reminder of Jesus' love for us. So Paul writes, he says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So we're going to hold up this token of grace, this, this bread, this symbol right now. We have this cup also. And I just encourage you just to close your eyes right now if that would help you. As we hold up this bread and we hold up this cup, what we are asking, Holy Spirit, is for you to continue to come. So you'd be active right now. Lord, we, we believe, we know that you, you indwell every single follower of Jesus, but we also want to right now publicly proclaim our desire for you to come. 
If you're new in, in our church community, you're not sure about what's happening, um, we just believe that this is an opportunity for us to remember the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, our Savior. So as we hold up this bread, we hold up this cup, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to engage our hearts and our minds right now. And let's receive the bread together. Let's receive the cup together. Okay, I'm just going to I'm going to ask you just to keep your eyes closed right now for a moment. <clears throat> Because I, I do, I really, all week long I've had this sense that there are a number of you in here that you, you know that you need to experience God's healing. And you have been wrestling, you have been struggling, you have been holding on to things. And I think the word things is the only word to use because I, I believe that some of you, it is, it is physical illness. You have experienced chronic illnesses, you have um, a sore back, you have a bum knee, whatever it is, you have those things. Others have grief or, or trauma or pain, emotional. Maybe some of you struggle with mental illness. And I, I just want to say as a church, um, we believe that mental illness is real. And it's not something that should, you should be demonized by. Mental illness is real. And God, God loves you. You are not a mistake. You are valued. You matter. And that we believe that God can heal you. But sometimes healing happens with mental illness by being in community and, and having people who can keep on reminding you of who you are in Christ, that you, are, you matter and you're loved. So whatever it is, like you might have a number of things that you are, you're, you're carrying, burdens you're carrying, and I believe that God wants to heal those things today. I, I really do. Just had that, that on my heart all week long. But I also believe that that's true every Sunday. And that sometimes we gather and then we, we just are unwilling to maybe take that, that risk of saying, I'll take, I'll take prayer. I'll receive prayer today. And I had this thought this week. Is when, when you look at sociologists or anthropologists and they're studying different people groups, one of the things that anthropologists will do is, for example, if they're studying a, a tribe in Africa, they'll, they'll go to Africa, some, some country in Africa, and they'll, they'll embed themselves into that community, and they'll, they'll, they'll live as if they're part of that community. They'll, they'll try to experience everything that people in that community experience, so that way they can kind of get their, their, their hands dirty, their, their feet on the ground, and kind of know what's going on. And so I feel like there's a few of you who are like, you're kind of not sure yet about this whole Jesus thing. And you're kind of observing, you're watching, you're like, all right. I really want to encourage you just this morning to be an anthropologist. If you need healing, even if you're not sure about the whole living out for Jesus, but you're here and you're saying, I, I don't know about the Jesus thing, but I do have this issue that I want to have God's, God's healing from. I want to be freed from this. We want to pray. And so this is what we're going to do. Um, First of all, if you're uncomfortable with somebody praying for you, I'm going to do a general prayer in a moment that we're, we believe that God will totally honor that. But we also believe that one of the things that, that the Bible teaches is that no one person in this room has all the spiritual gifts. Amen? 
Like, that's why we need to have the church community. And I, and I believe there are people in the same way that in the first century, second century, third century, there were people in church communities that were known for gifts of healings. They had a predisposition and seemed to have a lot of people who were healed when they specifically prayed. I think there's some people in this room right now that have that on them. Like, they have seen people significantly healed, Okay. So we want to take a moment and pray. So here's what I'm going to do. If you want prayer this morning, if you're like, I, I have something I need healed in my life. If that's you and you're, you're willing to have somebody come and pray for you, um, they're not going to get all close to you and be like, hi, how are you? They're not going to do that. Okay. But if you would like prayer, would you just put your hand up right now and just say, I, I would like prayer. We have one person here. Anybody else? Put your hand up high for us just to see. Okay. So here's what, keep your hand up, and I want everybody to close their eyes right now, because I, I know there's more people right now. If you are here right now, and I'm, I'm, I have a sense that there's a number of you who have been struggling with depression, like this has been something you have significantly struggled with, from in your life, and you want to be freed of that. You want the kingdom of God to come and to free you from that. If that's you, we're gonna, we want to pray for you, Okay. So now I'm going to ask again, is there anybody, just with anybody who wants prayer for anything right now, if you want prayer, keep your hand up right now. Put your hand back up. Okay. Do, don't be afraid. Okay, so here's what I want you to keep your hand up. And if you have any sense in your life that you have been, you have a nudge, or if you stood up earlier and said, I'd like to be willing to pray for people, I'm going to have you look, at, look around you. And if you see somebody, would you right now get a, it's okay, walk over to that person. Keep your hand up if you want prayer. Walk over to that person right now. There's somebody over there. There's a number of people back there. There's people right here. Somebody right here. Somebody right here. If you stood up and you wanted to pray for people, this is your chance. This is your moment. Don't be afraid of taking the risk. Is there anybody else? Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. This is the, the five-step prayer model. Let's put that back up on the screen for a minute. You're going you're gonna to right now, just we're going to do this for like, we're going to do three minutes, okay? Fast, quick, and then we get to lunch. So there's the one. So do the interview right now. What, what would you like prayer for? Would you just tell the person that, that's next to you, say, this is what i like prayer for. There's somebody right here, Shannon, right behind you. Come on, Shannon, get in the game. Okay, so just asking, what, what would you like prayer for? What do you need God to do in your life right now? And just keep, keep listening. Step two, the diagnosis. Why is this going on? It might be very natural. You might be like, oh, yeah, I hurt myself in a sporting event. And if you're just standing around right now and you're just chilling, you're watching, that's totally okay. Um, but if you are a follower of Jesus, you can just keep praying where you're at right now and ask God to do stuff right now. Step three, prayer selection. What kind of prayer are you going to pray right now? It's totally okay to just pray, God, would you... Do stuff. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? We just pray this. Right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you rest in this room 
on those who need to be filled with your presence. Okay, pause for one second. Everybody is getting prayer. Uh, how many of you, just, just, by, just checking, how many of you would say, yeah, I, I actually feel some sense of relief, some, like God's moving. Just put your hand up right now if there's, uh, okay, there's a few hands. Anybody else? Okay, yeah, there's a bunch over there. Okay, so if you haven't, if you're like, I don't know, it's not working yet, let's keep praying. Okay, so, so right now, if you're praying for somebody, keep on praying for God's kingdom to come right now. For more healing to happen. God, we pray right now that you would meet every single need that is in this room. All right, so you can go ahead and just pause your prayer right now. Pausing, not stopping, pausing. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a general prayer now. And then for those of you who, um, you know, have things to do, lunch to get, et cetera, you're gonna, we're just going to dismiss you. But if you could um, kind of, you know, just be respectful of people in the room. Keep getting prayer. Uh, the foyer is open. It's got coffee out there, possibly, unless I drank it all. Not positive. But feel free to go out there. But, Father, we thank you for this time right now. We just, we just thank you. Lord, for your presence. We thank you for your work. And God, you are not done. You are at work in this room. And so we pray right now, Father, for your spirit to continue doing what you're doing, to continue bringing healing and wholeness. Lord, as we transition from this space, I pray, Lord, I pray for those that need to keep on being prayed for, that, that they would continue being prayed for right now. And then for those who are transitioning out into the, to the foyer or, or to, the, to the world, God, that you would minister through us, help us to be willing to take risks this week, help us to be sensitive to your guidance and your leading, and that we would do all that we can to make a difference in people's lives. We pray for God's greater glory and for the well-being of all human beings in the city of Red Bluff, Anderson, Cottonwood, even Corning, God. <laughs> that was so mean. I apologize. But we thank you, God, for all that you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name.